Well, hello everyone. Today we're looking at, unfortunately, rather an, an alarming Anglophone crisis in Cameroon, in the west of Central Africa, if my geography hasn't let me down. It's very much a, a deep-seated hidden conflict, and there's no real end in sight, unfortunately, at the moment. And of course, as always, a very serious human cost over, well, certainly almost a million internally displaced people. There have been reports of various atrocities, arsons, kidnappings, over 3,000 deaths. But it is a, a context we need to understand from someone who knows. And so to help us with this, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Father Anthony Chantry, who is the National Director of Missio, the church's official overseas mission charity. So I guess, first of all, Father Anthony, you know, one thing I did want to ask, because we hear various terms and, and they're not always obvious, and this is described as an, an Anglophone conflict. So just to help us out here, what exactly does Anglophone mean and, and how is it relevant here? Thank you, James. Yes. Well, I've been going to Cameroon now for the last 20 years on and off. So I've, uh, as a Mill Hill missionary, because uh, our people have been working there since the 1920s, we have really strong roots there and now as national director of Missio, which will support the church in Cameroon on a, on a daily basis. Uh, I, I have access to kind of grassroots news about what's actually going, going on, because sometimes that is quite different to what the national rhetoric is around it. The Anglophone Cameroon crisis really has its roots in colonialism. Cameroon was a German colony then after the First World War. The larger part was given to the French and the smaller part was given to, to Britain as part of the two empires. And those were governed until the 60s, and 1960, the French became independent and then the Anglophone joined as a federation, the French-speaking part of Cameroon, and it became a federation of Cameroon. Now, that's a, a potted history. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. But the roots of it are this. Because of British influence in a smaller area, the legal system, the educational system, and the language attached to all of that is English, Anglophone. Whereas the French particles have the French system legal system, the French education system, and they speak French. And they were intending to live together happily. And they did for a while, but I would have to say, pressure from the larger French side was to rather integrate and gradually annex. It's been described as sort of a slow process of annexation of the Anglophone area, imposing French systems on the Anglophone people. That led to peaceful demonstrations. I think there was, in, I think it was uh, 2016, 17, mm. all the lawyers came out on a peaceful demonstration and said, no, we, we want to maintain our roots in the British legal system, which works very well for us. And we have always had that. So why would we need to change it? And then I think the teachers also came out, I'm not sure of the dates, but around that time, again, peaceful demonstrations. And the government, the Francophone side, came in rather strongly, and they sent in the military, they sent in special military units, 
to quell this, what was considered to be some kind of rebellion. And then of course things deteriorate because once you turn to violence in any conflict, then you open up wounds that may never heal, not in the short term. And I think the big tragedy of this whole thing is that very few people have been unaffected by this. Hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced. I've met them. They've actually, some of them moved to places like Douala, which is in the Francophone area, because it was no longer safe just to live their normal daily lives in the villages, because the military and the Amber Boys, which are groups of, well, it's not a unified force, but um, if we rewind a little bit, there was a movement for secession. So a group of Anglophone people said, we should be our own independent country. Now that, that you can argue whether that's possible or not. Nevertheless, uh, this gave rise to groups of what they call Amber Boys, they call themselves that. Amber Boys, a group of armed militia, armed groups who either are just very angry with the situation and want to fight back, then there are other groups who say we want to be independent and others will probably say we want to um, be semi-independent, return to a kind of a federation. And of course, as always, it attracts criminals. So some of those gangs are little more than criminal gangs, hell-bent on causing mayhem and suffering on the ordinary people. So you've got all that in the mix. And I would say, the church is the only institution that is trusted by the people. And the church has consistently preached a message of peace, so no violence, but with justice. Peace with justice. And the church is very much caught in the middle because the amber boys, many of them will say, well, you're telling us not to fight back. You must be on the side of the government. You're telling us to put down our arms and to come around and talk to the people in, in Francophone Cameroon, to the government. And the government say, you're obviously on the side of the Amber Boys because you're telling us not to take action against those who are causing trouble, etc. So they're kind of caught in the middle, but happily in the middle because that's where you can bring people together if you're in the middle. But there is a, a cost to that, a price to pay. And in 2018, when I last visited Cameroon, I was there when one of our own missionaries, a 33-year-old Mill Hill missionary from Kenya, had only been in Cameroon a couple of years. He was shot dead by the military as he was standing outside his church talking to a group of refugees. They came into the compound and they fired many rounds at people standing there. And he was hit and he died within hours. That's obviously a, a very poignant example of, of the devastating human cost, I guess, when, when people take up arms to try and sort out these situations. But I am detecting that, that frustration on, on both sides as to how you bring about a solution. What's clear is it's not going to be a peaceful solution whilst this is still going on. What is the church doing on the ground? Because obviously we've heard that very human cost, particularly to, to one of your priests. But what is the church able to do? And, and can it bring about or hope for any form of peaceful resolution? 
Well, I think on several levels, certainly on the grassroots level, they will be encouraging people to, to seek peaceful ways of reconciliation, of not using violence under any circumstances. Sometimes they've negotiated kidnappings, so people who have been kidnapped for ransom, they've intervened on a local basis to try and get them released. I think their general message to the population is the way it's being handled at the moment by both sides uh, is not going to eventually achieve anything except more violence, more death, more suffering. So a strong message, as I say, uh, said at the beginning, that people trust the church and they trust what the church is saying and they don't trust the government and they probably don't trust their own leaders but they do trust the voice of the church and they will listen to that. On a, another level, the bishops I know have been quite active within Cameroon to have a voice, be a voice for the people in trying to reduce the amount of violence, in bringing to light human rights abuses, of which there are countless numbers. So on that level as well, and I suppose possibly even on an international level, because wonderfully our Catholic Church is Catholics everywhere and our connections right through the world do carry with them some influence. Yeah, and I, I think as well that, that comfort is a very key factor, especially when you're looking at a, what might be a frustrating stalemate situation. And I loved what you said actually about the church happily sitting in the middle because I thought oh my goodness happily sitting in the middle of this but it's a really good point to make I think because our priests can still give the sacraments can still bring Christ to the people during times of great uncertainty and pain and suffering and you know sadness and a lack of hope for the future so I can see the pivotal role there well let's look at what we can do potentially because I always think it's a really hard question to ask people we're thousands of miles away we can feel a little bit detached we can certainly be moved by this humanitarian crisis so I would hope everyone would would feel it but we can feel a little bit helpless when it comes to contributing to peace to justice to change what can we do over here is it a case of raising our voices educating ourselves prayer financial support what, what would you say to our people in England and Wales as to how they can make any form of contribution to a positive solution that's a really good question James because we can hear about these things and ourselves feel totally helpless and we're not because we belong to this wonderful institution the church and you've already highlighted what we as Missio try to do three three things really the first one is prayer prayer is the foundation of our action. It's the beginning and the end of what we do. It's an outpouring of love, brings to consciousness people who are suffering. So prayer, we can all do that, we should all do that. The second thing you can do, which Missio does, is to raise awareness, take an interest in what's going on in Cameroon. And when an opportunity arises to do something, whether it's to writing to an MP, sharing that story of Cameroon with someone else, that's part of our mission, it's part of the mission of, of, of Jesus, to be aware of people who are suffering. And the third way would be, of course, to financial help. Uh, for instance, as I said, Missio supports the church throughout the world, especially in mission, so-called mission countries. So countries where the church is very young, poor, 
and in Cameroon in, in a violent situation. So uh, that is what we do. And that's what all of you can do, those of you who are listening to this. You can pray, find out more about this, and also contribute financially towards the church in Cameroon. Father Tony, thank you ever so much for giving us your time and explaining um, what is actually quite a complex and long-running, sadly, Anglophone crisis in Cameroon, and, and for giving us those tangible things that we can do over here to make some small difference to what's going on. Hopefully you can come back and talk to us again. You've got experience of the country, you know what's going on, so um, we'll be back for an update in due course, if that's okay with you. I'd be very happy to do so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much.